Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows. If you are involved with a PBS or community access television station or an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup or perhaps a podcast or just a computer and would like to share the programs, please feel free to do so. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international issues impact our lives. Welcome to today's Global Connections program. I'm Bill Miller. Today we're going to be focusing upon a group that works with a variety of NGOs, non-governmental organizations at the United Nations. My guest is an expert on this topic and this group. Mr. Patrick Sharada is the president of the Global NGO Executive Committee. Mr. Sharada has an extensive career involved in many United Nations activities, especially around specialized conferences. Patrick Sharada, welcome to today's Global Connections program. Wonderful to see you again, Bill. Thank you very much for the invitation. My pleasure. Always great to have you on. You, you could be on every two weeks. You have so much going on. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of topics, Patrick. Well, let's let's talk. Let's just jump right into it. what is the Global Non-Governmental Organization Executive Committee? The GNEC, as we like to call it. I think that's easier. Uh, I often ask people, when you think of IBM, do you know what it stands for? Uh, you know, international business machines. They don't really use that too often. This is a cumbersome title, but many, many people know us from our old title, NGO DPI. NGO DPI and the name changed GNEC or Global NGO Executive Committee has been around for 60 years. And in that time, I'd say a good 58 of those 60 years, we were predominantly giving advice to our friends at then Department of Public Information, now the Department of Global Communications, advice on what the civil society outside of the UN was thinking on certain topics when it related to those annual conferences that I'm sure you recall. We've done some 60 some odd conferences throughout the years and they were of course, abruptly halted after Salt Lake City, Utah uh, in uh, 2019 when the pandemic arrived in 2020. And uh, at that time in 2019, actually, we went out to Salt Lake City because we saw the numbers uh, within the NGO conference called the Civil Society Conference at the UN eventually had grown so greatly that it had outgrown our own General Assembly Hall. And in um, uh, Salt Lake City, we were actually able to have up to 6,000 participants. And we really saw it growing even uh, further. But at that time, that's what GNEC was about, giving advice on the planning and operations of that major annual conference and the workshops and exhibits that went along. So once the pandemic happened, we had to begin to reinvent ourselves. Exactly. And you mentioned the Department of Global Communications, which is the basically the outreach arm, the press arm of the United Nations in helping to inform people, the now 8 billion people on the planet, wow. about what the UN's doing to eliminate the scourge of war, to promote 
human rights, to encourage international trade, economic development, to combat diseases, to help move aircraft, ships, mail, weather information around the globe in international space, to deal just with a myriad of problems, reducing the threat of nuclear weapons. The UN is involved in literally hundreds, if not thousands, of activities every day, and it's very difficult to get that word out to the media and to the people around the planet. But it's also important doing what you're doing, you deal with groups, the non-governmental organizations, such as environmental groups, religious groups, labor folks, uh, just a variety of interests there to funnel input into the United Nations, and, which is extremely important. How, how well is that going right now as far as the two-way exchange of information and sharing ideas? Well, thank you for uh, mentioning that in that context. I think you put it in a very good context. Even beyond that, there are, of course, the Economic and Social Council or ECOSOC uh, groups, uh, NGOs that are among us as well. They have consultative status. They have a particular status. And many of our own constituents in our section have dual status. The World Development Foundation, which I represent um, and am part of as, as part of the GNEC, has dual status. Those that have dual status and the ECOSOC groups can appreciate the opportunity for consultative relationships at the UN. Many, most of the groups attached to the Department of Global Communications do not have consultative status. Their point of view and the point of view of the UN in this case is to share experience, to share best practices, and to share both opportunities and challenges that occur in civil society or that might help civil society. From the UN's perspective, they'd like to get the word out to civil society about what they are doing beyond the nation states uh, knowing what's happening at the UN. And they'd also like to hear on the ground, what's happening? And they can best hear that from civil society as well. So that's the give and take that's occurred there. You ask how it's faring, it's a very interesting question. I know many people who have really complained and other people who have seen increases in opportunities to engage. So how can that be? Here's the case. When we were all at the UN, when I used to see you in the Vienna Cafe and we used to meet for live presentations, and you've done so many with so many great people at the UN, we had access to each other in the halls. And sometimes that was about it. If we didn't have consultative status, we weren't invited into the ECOSOC chamber at certain times or the trustee council. Uh, except maybe all the way up in the nosebleed area. Same thing with the, uh, the GA Hall. Now, because of the pandemic, we all have the opportunity to a front row seat for everything. The UN has been wonderful about enabling virtual registration for all of us. So in some cases, we've had far less human contact, but far more contact on the level of Hollywood squares. You know, we can see each other like we're seeing each other now in little squares on a Zoom machine. So it's a, it's been a double-edged sword to answer your question. How is it faring today? It certainly has, no doubt about it. You were talking about the Economic and Social Council, ECOSOC, which is one of the six 
organs of the United Nations and the consultative status that many groups have. I know I'm involved with one group, such group, Rotary International. And of course, Rotary has been involved in really helping to launch the United Nations in San Francisco in 1945. And of course, they worked on a variety of programs with UN agencies, but the biggest has been the Polio Plus program that Rotary teamed up with the UN World Health Organization, the UN Children's Fund, UNICEF, and the US Centers for Disease Control back around 1987, along in there, as I recall, and to help eliminate the scourge of polio. So there, there's a hands-on example of an organization, uh, one of the largest service clubs in the world, working with the UN. And of course, other clubs do too. Like and we have worked clubs. together. With, with oh, yes, Rotary, exactly right. In exactly. the name of the UN. And so the Rotary has been a real leader among the NGOs. Sometimes they're called nonprofits. I think Americans know it mostly as nonprofits. We've mostly called them NGOs, non-governmental organizations. And now, of course, we see CSOs, civil society organizations. However, we're termed. I think that our organization, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I wanted to mention no, in terms of Rotary, I think our GNEC is like Rotary more than a traditional NGO because we represent so many chapters, so many NGOs that are associated with the UN Department of Global Communications. So we would, I think, have an affinity there. And I personally do. Uh, you mentioned polio after 9-11, uh, Rotary International collected funds from all of the Rotary chapters and I was a large recipient of those funds. Uh, the organization I represented at the time, NGO, uh, was called Friendship Ambassadors Foundation. And they worked with all of the families of the victims of 9-11. And Rotary was extremely generous in the hundreds of thousands of dollars. Actually, we also got them, I don't know if this is heretical, to work together closely with Lions Clubs International Foundation. And together we brought in over $3.1 million and touched the lives of virtually every family uh, that was affected by 9-11 uh, through art workshops, through retreats, uh, through retreats in the United States and abroad. And Rotary was astoundingly generous, working in a collaborative sense, bringing together all of its partners for this service. And, and we try to do the same thing with our partners. Exactly. And you mentioned Lions International. They are an active player at the United Nations and have been for years and years. But while we're talking about these great groups, we may as well mention, first off, your website is www.gnec.ngo. We mentioned Rotary International and what it's been doing with the United Nations. And our viewers can go to their website at www.rotary.org. And of course, really a good source of information is the United Nations website. And you can just see the myriad of activities that the UN has underway. They, our viewers can go to www.un.org. Well, you're watching Global Connections Television, which is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guest. We'd invite our viewers to go to our website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous programs. Also, if you're involved with a PBS or community access television station, or perhaps an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or you have a podcast, you just have a computer, you like our show and you would like to share it, 
please feel free to do so. Global Connections Television is provided at no cost as a public service to help us better understand international issues and how they impact our lives. Today, we're talking with an expert on non-governmental organizations and the role that they play at the United Nations. Mr. Patrick Sharada is the president of the Global Non-Governmental Organization Executive Committee. Patrick, we've been talking about uh, theoretically, not theoretically, but the, sort of the application of your group, how you interact with non-governmental organizations, the Department of Global Communications at the UN. Let's talk about what are some of the services that you provide and what are some of the programs that you may be involved in with the folks who are members of the GNEC? Well, there is a real sea change going on with GNEC and its relationship to the associated NGOs. Uh, when we only gave advice to then DPI, now DGC, so many acronyms at the UN, uh, we only had to be concerned with what we felt Many of us who are on the board are leaders in other NGOs, and it's their NGOs that promote us to the leadership positions on the board at GNEC. So that's why I say like Rotary, we're really like an agency of NGOs rather than an NGO in and of itself with one mission or one dedicated vision. I guess our vision is service leadership. Uh, we'll get into as much as we can here, but I'll give some examples uh, as we start and see which ones you'd like to maybe dive into deeper. Once we no longer had the live conferences, and I suspect that other NGOs often envied and maybe even distrusted the fact that uh, GNEC, that used to be NGO DPI, was the one giving advice to the UN. Why them? Why not other people? So I took a more humble tone, maybe the pandemic and my being elected president came together at a fortuitous time for this organization because giving the advice was no longer needed and maybe no longer appreciated. So on our 60th anniversary this year, I have really delved into services. Uh, we began what's called an Innovation Academy. That's a platform like the SDG Academy or like Coursera or many of the other masterclass academies. This one is totally free. It focuses on the SDGs and how it relates to civil society. If you have a course, if you have a workshop, if you have a hackathon, we've had two successful hackathons that I'll mention later, uh, your platform is uh, the Innovation Academy. We charge nothing. If you charge for your course, you keep 100% of that. We only offer this to our associated NGOs. So how many associated NGOs are we talking about? 100, 50, 200, 600? No, there's close to 2,000. Uh, there's, there's about 1,600 right now, 1,581 or so. Uh, and I think their addiction is only slowed by the fact that UNDGC doesn't have unlimited staff to continue to vet these groups. So I think we will see well over 2,000 as the vetting process continues apace after uh, the, the uh, pandemic. Uh, the pandemic is still with us, but waning. And especially due to war, NGOs seem to crop up during these times of man-made and natural disasters. So the Innovation Academy is a way for us to share information. 
two of the hackathons that we've done on the platform of the Innovation Academy have led to astounding results. I, I don't mean to be uh, to be speaking in hyperbole here. Um, the first one, we looked at a listing of NGOs. Have you ever done that, Bill? I don't know if you have. It's on the website. You mentioned UN.org. Uh, because I'm not a nation state, I want to send people to civil society. I would say UN.org slash civil society as one word. And that will lead you to the DGC people. Look at the bar going across the top. There's one that says, uh, there's one area that says list of associated NGOs. Take a look at that. It's a black on white alpha list. Of what value is that? Now, I know that there, there should be opt-outs of people who want to remain private, but most of us would like to know something about each other. Who are you? What are you? Where are you? And what do you do? Maybe we could collaborate. I think during the decade of action here, which we have only seven years left, to try to uh, enable the SDGs, we better get all hands on board. And cooperation and collaboration is essential in that regard. So what have we done? We brought together big data students from Columbia University, and we just started to put it together. We did not ask uh, the NGOs or DGC for help. We just had algorithms that went onto everyone's website, almost 1,600 NGOs, and said, could you tell us the main points of your mission? They all responded because algorithms somehow do that. Don't ask me how. And then we asked about their vision and their activities. And then we just started to put that information together. And we found out that this NGO has these sister NGOs alongside it that are doing the same work. Now, that's not known by an alpha list black on white. So now we have increased information about the NGO itself its relationship to other NGOs. And now we're taking the next step to find out which sponsors, donors, funders, grants are related to the SDGs. Which donors give money to the success of the SDGs and in what areas? Again, the algorithms of big data can just help us find that very rapidly. Now we put that together with our new interactive listing. So now it's not just XYZ NGO, but these 10 or 15 that are working on climate issues or women's issues or water issues, gaggling them together for each other's knowledge and what sponsor or funder happens to like to fund these kinds of activities. I think that's a game changer. That came out as a hackathon. The, the second one was a hackathon with high school students from Rutgers Prep, and they've invented a an app which we're ready to roll out. It's called UREST, and it's an Airbnb for uh, refugees and migrants. When you get to a certain area, it will pinpoint where you are and show you where lodging, food, social services, including medical services, and even jobs will exist at the choke points outside where we find many refugees and migrants. It's currently in Spanish, Ukrainian, and English. Uh, we intend to roll it out in all UN languages and specific languages in Africa and parts of South America where we feel this is a useful item and also along uh, the Caribbean. And these, uh, this opportunity gives us the potential for helping the helpers. 
because we will offer this UREST app to NGOs working with migrants and refugees. We're using it in New York City because there are so many uh, Southern governors who are flying and busing migrants from their borders up to New York City with no advance warning. We're using it in the, in the uh, countries that surround Ukraine, especially now because the winter seems to be very difficult with the invasion of Russia uh, destroying a lot of the infrastructure in Ukraine. So the, and this was developed by high school students. And it's, it's a wonderful program. It's actually online right now. We have a short video about it, uh, but we'll be rolling it out and introducing it both to the UN and the NGOs uh, quite soon. Uh, that's just that's just that's the innovation. Just one of <laughs> it's right. Well, you've got you're providing some excellent services, no doubt about that. I wish we had more time to go into a variety of others, but uh, what are you doing in one minute? Let's say I know the Commission on the Status of Women (CSW) is a very yeah. There's so problem. much. I mean, we're, we've been doing what, uh, what podcasts. Are you doing? That comes up in March. Is that correct? Yes, we've been doing podcasts. We've been doing fiscal agency and sponsorship to help groups. We have the NGO reporter, and we've been planning for now live conferences again. We floated an idea with the president of Suriname, who is also the chair of UN CARICOM, the Caribbean Commission, to hold a preparatory conference for CSW in late January in Guyana, in the uh, Georgetown headquarters of CARICOM. There's interest, but the president is traveling to Sharm el-Sheikh and then to the G20, and I just don't know if we'll be able to get it together in time. So the Catalan government in Spain has offered us the opportunity to hold the project as a post-CSW event. So this would give us a little extra time. They are promising support, and we are looking to do that in the end of March. Uh, after CSW 67, which is, I think, the 3rd through the 12th or somewhere in the middle of March. Uh, we'll do that in the end. And then we'll continue to do an intergenerational conference and then a, an NGO conference by the summer. I wish we had more time to chat, Bill. Well, that's always a challenge with this program. I know. <laughs> Probably every program now that I think of it. But again, you're doing some excellent work, Patrick, and you've got quite a track record at the United Nations and dealing with so many issues and so many different activities. And of course, our viewers can go to your website at gnec.ngo to get more information. And I'm so glad you mentioned the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, because those 17 goals are so critical. And as you mentioned, we're down to the last uh, seven, eight years, of the decade for action and to achieve these goals by 2030. And they're laudable goals to eliminate poverty, to eliminate hunger, to empower women and girls, to combat climate change, to develop partnerships, just what you've been talking about doing, yeah. to strengthen the resistance to these problems and to help overcome them. And they're all so very important. And it's amazing, people who are watching this show right now, if you're a member of Rotary International or Lions or Kiwanis or you're in a church faith-based group or whatever, your group is supporting one, two, or three, or maybe all 17 of the UN Sustainable Development Goals. We're, uh, the vast majority of the people on the planet are working on them. 
And in many cases, they just don't know about them. But Patrick, we'll have to come back later and talk about the rest of them. But Patrick Shirada, I want to thank you so very much for a very interesting and a very informative program. Thanks a bunch, Bill. Thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. I'm Bill Miller. Thank you for joining us today on Global Connections Television.